Hello and welcome to Off the Record this week. Last week we had a loud, angry episode, mostly fueled by Taylor Swift. Uh, Jesse, before the show, was just commenting about how his girlfriend and he were sparring over Taylor Swift, and now his work girlfriend and him are going to spar a little more over Taylor Swift. And it's a rough, <laughs> it's a rough, it's a rough weekend for Jesse. Uh, you, you know, uh, uh, my punk supporters and the true punks out there that listen to this podcast, though, were on my side. They tweeted their allegiance to me, and we're the we're the. the where it's at so me, me and the punks up the punks talking about allegiance and punk i'm sitting in my in my office right next to a blink 182 american flag and so i am the most punk allegiant out there i don't know what you're talking about i ordered a blink 182 throw pillow the other day uh oh wow only that, thir- that, only 35 bucks i mean so was that official merch or did you find that on etsy from some nerd oh that's official blink is doing a great job merchandising right now they're just rolling out all this limited stuff that i just buy every month because how could i not and you know they're actually doing a really effective merch job i have to say you got to figure they're they must be thinking at this point like you know everybody has a shirt or something we got to just start doing the things for nerds like you who'll just buy anything and there are so many i mean to their credit right there are so many nerds like me and you know to think about that though that's actually like a smart strategy even too for like the aged punk fans because if you think about it you still have all these fans that are passionate that now have money because they're in their late 20s. They got into you when they were 17 and like refused could probably sell me a throw pillow. I fully agree. I think all that limited stuff, especially for bands that have a fan base that is a little more skewed in a good way, just totally makes sense. Skew, skewed? I, I think it's even just like older and has some disposable income is like this, this is how you capitalize is like you get kissed in the misfits with it. You do everything. I cherish my misfits shower curtain. Yeah, I saw it. Uh I wanted to take a shower less after I saw it. I felt cleaner not being next to it. Don't you just... It's fun. And, you know, I use my Misfits lunchbox to hold some microphones at work. See, I'm now just picturing a Blink-182 lunchbox that I would buy and never have a use for. God, I'm a sucker. You you know what you do with it? You put all, like, your USB and firewire cables in it. That's, like, basically what I do with it. It's, like, all the weird mic cables and weird microphones we never use. So it's a nerd's toolbox. That's a great way of putting it. Thank you. You know, that's what you could do is when you, in 10 years, when you make the Knucklebuck lunchbox, you could just call it that instead of nerd's toolbox. I like it. I like it. Because a toolbox is also more appealing to the aged punk, I think, too. Like, you know, you got to be all crafty and, like, you know... Fix the things, you know. I live with I live with two girls. So I have to fix the things, even though my girlfriend's more manly in that department than me. But that's a different story. And that's how that's how you get your girlfriend to allow you to buy it because it's like I need a new toolbox. Ah, oh, so good for you to for you to fix things with. But we need the cool toolbox. I got it. I'm I'm practicing here. I see that this this impending move in with your girl one day going very well. Yeah, yeah. We were just talking today. She's like, "Oh no, it's okay. You don't need to do anything." I was like, "You just." She's like. You just need to bring your vinyl. I'm like, wow. Okay. I can do that. That's good. I like that. That is good. Me too. To get into some follow-up, you can check out show notes at offtherecord.fm slash episodes. You can also ask us questions there and find us wherever you want to find us. Um, Last week, like I mentioned at the start of the show, we talked a lot about Taylor Swift and her pulling everything off of Spotify. And there's a a little bit of follow-up on that. So there's two quick articles. Uh, Taylor actually did like a whole interview kind of thing on um, on Yahoo, where she sort of laid out her explanation for pulling everything off of Spotify. Whether you, um, whether you necessarily are with her on that, you should probably give it a read. The other, the other interesting piece, though, that we can talk about for a minute is that there are reports coming in that Shake It Off, uh, the lead single off of 1989, was making was grossing Taylor Swift and Co eighty four grand per week before it was pulled. That's a lot of money, Jesse. That's a lot of money. I mean, at the same time though, so if we think eighty four grand, and let's say this signals going platinum, because you know, as she put in that time interview, come on, guys, that's what I do. <laughs> Wholesome little asshole. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's what I was saying though. Last week was just like. I mean, put this single aside, right? Like, why not just have the whole back catalog on there? Because, 
You know, you have to imagine if that one single is making 84 grand a week, given that it's a new single and it's a hit, it's a new hit, blah, blah, blah. Even if all of her old albums made 84, let's just call it 100 grand a week, because we all know people listen to her old albums a lot. There's three albums there. If you don't even count Red, that's 300 grand a week. You're pulling in probably like 12 to, I don't know, 15, 20 million a year, right? Just off your back catalog. Like, you're not going to make, you're not making that much from album sales on those back albums anymore. Well, like this is the show notes too, is I tweeted out a really great article from Jay Frank and uh, he, he put this very well is that he said that people's decisions to pull their music from Spotify is based on emotion and not fact. And the fact is, is streaming music monetizes your back catalog in a way that nothing else does and denying people the chance or denying yourself the chance to monetize that is just shooting yourself in the foot. Yeah, I don't know. To me, it's just like sitting around in that meeting in Nashville. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's clearly going to hurt music sales. It's clearly going to, oh, wait, like shouldn't someone have been like done a quick calculation? Because I, you know, if I can see how much money I'm making from Spotify, they can certainly see way better analytics than I can off, than totally. I do off a of TuneCore, right? So it's like, you guys, like, that's 12 million bucks. And if you, you know, you got your 15% of that, that's, uh, you, you know, manager manager to the left is making like $2 million off of that, <laughs> off, of, off of a 15% cut of that, right? So it's yeah. like, why don't, why don't you want that gold dog? I want that. I'll take it. I'll take it, Mr. Taylor Swift manager. It's just so much money. I just, that's the thing. If that single, that single made Taylor Swift like 300 grand on Spotify in a month, come on. But whatever, yeah, it went well, platinum. Yeah, I went mean, very platinum. <sighs> That's gonna. I think that could be up to uh, just under three times platinum by the end of the year. You think three times platinum by the end? Of the year? It's apparently going to sell another four hundred thousand copies this week. So that'll so that's put, almost that, at two. That's almost at two. Then you have. Then let's say it'll do another two hundred grand the next week. Uh, so that's at that's at three. Oh, sorry, that's at two. And then there's Black Friday, Christmas, and New Year's. It's true. It's so true. she'll be hovering. She'll certainly be at three early next year, which is pretty nuts. But anyway, no more hate on Taylor Swift. Let's just move on before you say more mean uh, things. I never, never say never when I'm in your midst. <laughs> uh, I have talked once or twice, I think, maybe just once, about a band called Knuckle Puck on this podcast. <laughs> um, I, I still like John, uh, John Carl Diotawa's uh, dare, dare to not mention the once on the episode <laughs> of the podcast. It was pretty good. It was pretty good. I felt a little <laughs> introspective after that. Um, but we, we, we charted on Billboard this week on a bunch of charts, which is really cool. We sold just over 2,100 copies week one without double counting vinyl sales. Um, for those who don't know, double counting means most, most bands on most labels double count their vinyl sales. So... If you sell a thousand vinyl copies, most labels count that as two thousand copies because they include the digital as a, as a separate purchase. Um, so without that, we sold twenty one hundred plus copies across vinyl, digital, CD in the U.S. And we just missed the Billboard Top two hundred by like a hundred copies. And Blake Shelton beat us out. So, so why didn't you guys double count? Uh, you know, I just don't. I didn't, I wanted to see what we could do on it, like. I wanted to give it an honest shot, you know, and I was hoping I was hoping for 1500 to 2000 copies and we just beat my expectations. And, I, you know, I wanted to be able to proudly say, like, we charted, we just missed Billboard two, Top 200. And, you know, frankly, if we double counted, that would have been over 3000 copies. So I feel and for a band on their 30p that hasn't done an album that's only been touring for nine months that's on a very, very, that, that's on a label that barely existed a year ago. You know, like to me, this was a huge accomplishment. I, it's just kind of like we showed our stuff and I'm really proud that we can say that. Nice. Congratulations. Thank you. Oh, I, I had a one follow up, which is that my new podcast, Jesse Cadden Talks To, is now on iTunes. So you can get the first episode. And yeah, I, there's a link for it in the show notes. Cool. And Jesse, what day are you looking to mostly put those out on? I haven't decided. We yet. haven't still, decided. I, still, I think it's going to be bi-weekly on Mondays. Okay. But that's where that's where I was leaning this morning. But um, 
I, I promised myself I'd do some research on this today, but I'm not feeling very well today, so I haven't done it yet. Jesse and I both have food hangovers. Yeah, to say the least. <laughs> uh, so first listener question. Jesse, your podcast game is obviously very strong. Mm, ego, mm, yeah. ego boost in the afternoon. Um, I've also caught a couple references of you being a nerd for politics. No, really? Is there a <laughs> politics podcast that you can recommend? Uh, my favorite one is Rachel Maddow. I've missed five episodes in six years, and she does a podcast five days a week. Dan Carlin's Common Sense is really good. Um, I haven't listened to it in a bit, so I don't know how often he's posting these days. Best of the Left is a great podcast. I never miss Bill Maher's show-podcast. Um, the podcast feed for it has some extras that the weekly show on HBO doesn't have. Um, and I greatly enjoy the Young Turks uh, here and there. It can get a little... There's a lot of fluff sometimes in their podcast that you're a little like, okay. But they have some great political thoughts, and they definitely have some great political interviews. And at this portion of the episode, my dad crashed the car. <laughs> and moving on. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. Uh, second question for Jesse is uh, someone's looking for some record player advice. Oddly enough, I did not ask this question. Uh, this person has a Technics record player that their father gave to them and uh he wants something new and in the 400 to 600 dollar price range uh i always recommend up till you get to the two thousand dollars range that you just buy the music hall turntable that you could afford um i like the ones uh that don't have the usb connection because i think listening through a usb connection really inhibits your it, it it's not good. You're putting a digital process on there, and that's not the, a thing you should do. I linked in the show notes the music hall turntable I suggest to buy with a very nice price from Amazon. That's what I use. I have never heard a turntable that sounds better in that price range. Um, they did ask about this project uh, debut carbons. I haven't heard that personally, but the person I trust on the stuff uh, still says that they haven't tried anything else that's better than the music hall for the price range. So. These look nice. Yeah, I may, uh, I may go for one of these. That's that, that's what what I what I recommend you do. Um, I might recommend you do the five instead of the two. I linked the two in there. Mm -hmm. There's some nice stuff in the five. Too. Yeah, I'm looking at that. I, I'm in the I'm in the five price range. I think just because just because I need you know I might as well make the very very long term investment in it. Yeah. So I have a, I have a five and a two. Yeah, I like that uh, they like, have color options too. I'm just looking at this link and they have black, white, red. Um, I like those options. Yeah, you can get, you can get the red one, so it can match your Taylor Swift red vinyl. I have the, a double LP. Brendan from Modern Baseball bought me the double LP for my birthday, and uh, what a what a guy! Oh man. man, I like the colors though. Do you is your do you you do you have this one? You don't have this one, do you? I uh, know. I, so I have a five and a two, but I have them both in black. Um, my first one though, I did have the red one. Yeah, um, and then. Uh, I was like, you know, this isn't sounding right. And I realized uh, that the cartridge was all messed up. And then I realized I'd bought it from somebody on eBay and I could return it because it was 30 oh. days to the day. So I returned it after I had the red one for about 30 days. And then I bo just bought a new one. Yeah, these are nice. I feel like, you know, I mean, obviously the black is the classic, but it would be nice to maybe experiment with color. But that's a personal, personal well, preference. Well, maybe you have to ask your girl about that since she's taking care of everything. You don't want to mess up the oh, color. Oh, God, that's true. Jeez, look, I mean, look at you looking out for me. Uh, I appreciate I, you that. Know, I, I, I've lived with a few girls in the past before. You yeah, know? you know, well, as as a, as an interview that you did, and I also did an interview with Sound and Signals this weekend, and oh, nice. apparently you're my therapist, so there we are. Oh, I, I forgot about that part of it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And on to a serious question of follow-up that, that we got a few weeks ago and we've been thinking on the past few weeks because we wanted to hopefully do the conversation right. Um, a listener wrote in and said, do you feel that something needs to be done in order to make pop punk less sexist? How can we do that? With sexist sentiments basically ingrained in the pop punk quote-unquote scene, is that even possible? Um, and then a little other excerpt in the question is uh, punk as an ideal is about freedom of expression and representation of the minority. And I don't see why all bands of all genres can't make that a reality. Well, let me ask you a question first, Jesse. Um, you've obviously been a part of the overarching punk scene and seen much of the pop punk scene much longer than I have. Um, on, a, on a basic level, is it 
the same now as it was 20 years ago? Or do you think that has evolved? So when I was young, I think that there was a little bit more of a political PC thing going. And then there came in that wave of tooth and nail, Jesus-loving assholes who also came in with this wave of kind of extreme sexism. Um, I think Glassjaw, everything you want to know about silence really opened the floodgates for a lot of bands saying very sexist things, which while I love that record and I love those guys, it definitely inspired the asking Alexandria's of today. And even, you know, even a record I was involved in, like Census Fail, Let It Unfold, you as some not of the greatest nice things to say towards women uh, in it. I think we're actually getting to a better place right now, but I think maybe when I was young was a good place. Whereas I think over the years, I, there was, I think you, Jason and I discussed this when I was on the absolute punk podcast, that I was very disheartened by how sexist and homophobic and how a lot of these bands weren't being called out for it and how ridiculous, like, some of the stuff was that these quote unquote Christian bands were able to get away with. But I think we're moving to a place and like, so I, I had a dilemma and I think I told you about this uh, a few weeks ago is a band came to me with some really violent lyrics towards females about producing. And I basically uh, walked because I didn't want to be a part of it. Um, and I think that's the thing is, is people are shopping with their dollars when it comes to this stuff, and I'm starting to feel like this is getting pushed out towards the, yes, the asking Alexandria's and all that still, that these lyrics work for these bands. But for the most part, I'm starting to feel like in our scene that this isn't very acceptable to say really dumb sexist shit as much as it used to be. I think we're on a good trend. Do you agree? I think we are on a good trend. Um, to me, like, the, the first part of this question was sort of that, the sexist sentiment seemed ingrained in pop punk. And that's a tough, it's hard to say. I don't think that's true because I think it's really easy to find that that is true. And, and I think part of that is so clearly because the pop punk music that kind of always dominates and takes over the genre is a music written by young bands that then become later on, like, you know, like the heads of the scene, right? Like, Newfound Glory, their self-titled and Sticks and Stones album were written when they are from the ages of twenty, of like eighteen to twenty-two. Uh, whatever the you know any Blink One Eighty Two, like when when they were in their early twenties, some forty-one, same thing. Like all this, all the pop punk music that we've kind of view as the kings of the genre and that we love the most because most people love the earlier albums. Even Brand New is your favorite weapon, right? It's like those are written typically by really young boys not even men and what and just like you were saying with buddy and um jesse do me a favor and, and remind me to link into the show notes this podcast a uh, hundred words or less that, oh, yeah, that, that was buddy episode. was on um where he essentially opened beyond up about everything from you know sexual abuse to confrontation to confrontation to confusion like all this just very interest like i mean incredibly interesting and uh opening just conversation with Buddy, where which is in contrast to what Jesse wrote or what Jesse was saying a few minutes ago about how that first Census Fail album is kind of very like uh, violent, you know. Well, and there's 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 some shitty lyrics to women, and um, you know, I was sitting there with him watching him write it. Like it was it was you know it that was a thing that was going on at that time. And now Buddy is what Buddy's thirty years old now, right? Let's say and. He grew up. I, I, I was having a conversation with someone actually just yesterday about, you know, how I grew up in school. And I think around like six, like sixth grade, everyone is super racist. Well, you were, you were having that on our last episode of our podcast. God. Oh, there it is. Yeah. So like everyone's super racist for a minute and then they grow up. But then and then in, in similarity to that, like everyone as they're going to college or they're getting out of high school, it has no idea what to do with the other sex when it when it comes to trying to have a relationship or friends even. And that and then those people are writing songs about it that people a few years younger than them love. And that gets ingrained really quickly. Um, and so it's it's hard to even begin to possibly say that um there aren't sexist sentiments, even if the 18-year-old writing about 
why he hates girls, doesn't even know what sexism is. Yeah, it's, I think and that brings us to a, another note I wanted to hit on this, which is that, like, so I consider myself a feminist. I think there was a great moment, actually, on um, Stephen Colbert this week, at, or I guess it was last week, he had um, this girl who's been writing a lot about gamer. Oh, yeah, that was great. And, you know, she's been saying a thing, and it was like, it was the same thing. I think we got into this a little bit last week about how I I just have so much disdain for Taylor Swift because she avoids saying she's a feminist when she knows damn well what the definition is, and she pulls a total politician move and avoids this. And I think there's a mo- moment that we're all having where um, people are starting to realize that, like, when you say you're a feminist, a lot of people like cringe. They're like, "Oh God, oh these armpit hair having, you know, liberal women, and you know they're eating their granola, and you just get grossed out." But like, she put it very well, and I, it's the thing I love to say to people is, is you know, when they have this gut reaction to like being a feminist, is all being a feminist means is that you think men, women should be treated the same as men. That is all it means, and it's so basic and i think what's great is is yes so inherently in pop punk especially since you have a lot of boys singing and a lot of girls singing and the majority of them are heterosexual there is some animosity towards the opposite sex and we have this weird thing of that we like sometimes blame the opposite sex as a whole after we have like three bad experiences with them which is really ridiculous to to do i think that there is a thing of that, yes, in art, you know, you need to be able to have express some sentiments and some emotions. Like as somebody who produced a song where the chorus is girls like you are the absolute worst, there's going to be a thing of like, that's kind of a little sexist. I don't want to call it absolutely sexist, but there also needs to be room to be able to express the emotions you have. Now, where do you stop with that? Like, you know, talking about murdering women's a little gross to me and um, feels really bad, especially after um, you see, like, these men's right activists and the, the stuff they write online. I think there's a comfortable place that we can all get to where maybe it's a little less violent and gross, but, like, there still needs to be a thing where you can kind of say, like, oh, these girls, like, I think you, you were talking, your favorite band, Blink-22, like, you know, girls ignore me and stuff like that. Like, saying general things, while I think some people that their sexism monitor goes off on that, I'm not so against that. I think that's an emotional feeling that a lot of people go through in life, and I don't think it's that harmful. And it's like a, it's a fine line to walk, I guess. But I, I do think there's a difference of being like, I am, exp- like, you know, I had... I had a I went through a breakup and I am really upset because you can be upset about a breakup and feel really strong feelings whether you're um a boy or a girl or whatever whether you know whether it's a breakup from a relationship or work or whatever right and you have these strong feelings and I, I think I feel like it it would be foolish and ignorant to say well you shouldn't have those feelings in songs because that's clearly why we love all the songs we love um but I, I think in in general, like with more of the to the question of asking about more of the scene itself, and I talked about this a little last week, um, regardless to uh, in regards to the question about racism, was just that like, and maybe it's just in Philly, and it's the only scene in the world where this is happening. Even though I hope and believe that's probably wrong, is that it's actually really great to see um, how many like women and you know, are, are taking part in the scene in Philadelphia right now um, and how it's just totally not an issue, right? And in a good way. Uh, and it's really, it's really great because when I, like even, even a few years ago, I, I recall just not, it just being such a boys club, you know? Uh, and now like when it comes to the punk scene in Philly, uh, the majority minus a lot of bands are, the people I work with are, young women. And that's great. Um, right in front of me right now is Emily bad timing records, mail order, uh, employee and other employee packing. And she is my equal. And she is a major third to bad timing records. We cannot run the record label without her. And, and that feels great. That feels cool. That one, the label can employ anyone, but one that there's clearly no issue with that. And 
and I feel like maybe Philly's just being progressive right now with its entire punk scene. But I, I think that's something that I think we're in a time period right now where that can spread, especially when there's really great proactive speakers on this subject right now in, in the punk scene itself, whether that's Tiger Shaw or Pity Sex or uh, Perfect Pussy and so on and so on. You know, there's a lot of I think what's what's cool about now versus three to five years ago is that there are really important punk bands with women members, women singers, women guitarists, whatever. And there, and I think that is actually making a difference. Agreed. I feel like I'm seeing that more. And I would, what we're also seeing is, is we're seeing the girls who are in these bands are sticking up for themselves. Whereas I feel like, and this is, this is part of my problem with Taylor Swift is I feel like when she has the chance to hit the ball out of the park and say great things for women musicians, she always just goes, teehee. Oh, silly me. I don't know. And it's just like, no, I love that. I see like, I think there was an article with like the girl from Candy Hearts and some other people like really saying good progressive things about women's, you know, being respected in a scene and how they're treated and not being afraid of offending some of the dumb males who comment on, you know, absolute punk and the defend pop punk group. And say ridiculously sexist things. And I think that's the, the other great thing is, you know, I, I always have applauded you be that you took on sexism and homophobia uh, with the site when bands would say it. When I saw a lot of other sites put kind of take a blind eye to these bands for in order to have access to them. I felt like all press and absolute punk were not doing as good a job of that. And it got way better um, around the time that you started doing it. Yeah, I, I think Jason over the past few years, I mean, as long as I have, has been doing a really great job. All press, I feel like it's just different. And I'm not like apologizing for them either way, but I feel like they handle it differently because it's a business. And in, in a different way that Proper Zach or Absolute Punk is a business. And that bum, that bums me out, right? Like it bums me out that when I post about Attila... Suck my fuck! It's because it's like, how can you read their lyrics and be like, this is cool. Meanwhile, I assume sometime within the next 18 months, Attila will be on the cover of all press. And that bums me out, especially for someone like Mike Shea, who is very progressively like pro-gay rights. And, yes. and that is, you know, like that's that's disheartening to me, especially when it's just like even even down to the actual label portion where it's like, hey, Razor and Ty, like, what are you guys doing right now? Like, are there not people in your office that are offended by this? You know, it's like uh, that I don't know. To me, that that's the stuff that makes my skin crawl a little because it's like, yeah, I think there's a difference between, you know, uh, pop punk singer X not knowing how to handle his emotions versus singer X just writing blatantly like homophobic or sexist lyrics. Um yeah, or I mean, also on Razor and Tie, they have that for today band that are just like crazy Christian right homophobes who, you know, don't get the irony that they uh, are saying that being gay is wrong. And then one page later in the Bible where it says uh, that being gay is wrong, it says that you should not have tattoos and their guys are sitting there looking all sexy with their tattoos because they're that fucking ignorant. The great thing about the Bible is that we can just pick and choose what we want from it. Well, I mean, you know, if you're if you're a modern evangelical Christian, you sure can. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. In, in my perspective, I think I think we are actually doing a really good job now. Um, I, I think like, and obviously the internet can be so terrible as we see with all this Gamergate stuff. But at the same time, like, I think at least in the punk community, there's a lot going on every every month, every week, every day. That's sort of just slowly, in a good way, pushing pushing the conversation forward, and that's. I think that's really awesome. Yes. I, I So what I always try to say when, you know, as we said before with my political nerddom is I, I like when we're on the right, the trajectory is going the right way. And um, I think it's, I'm optimistic. I think we're going the right direction. Speaking of your place in uh, 
the music scene and what you've done to change it, there's some pretty big cause for celebration and things to talk about now, right? I think so. Uh, we are recording this on November yeah, November 9th. I have been having trouble with the month of the year this year. Uh, this month, rather. I keep thinking it's still October. But uh, it is November 9th, the day we're recording this, uh, one day after the five-year anniversary of Property of Zach, which was November 8th. 2009. Five years is kind of crazy to me. It's like half a decade. <laughs> it is half a, def- half a decade. Yeah, half a decade. And um, yeah, so a lot is changing. On Friday, the day before the anniversary, I, I posted a, a blog on the site called Five Years of Property Zach. That's linked in the show notes um, if you haven't read it. Uh, I post about a lot that is changing. So when I started when I started the website, it wasn't on purpose. And um, five years ago, yesterday, I went down to Webster Hall uh, with my BlackBerry Storm 2 in hand. <laughs> um, and I went down there and I did the first two interviews ever for the website um, with, uh, with the Dangerous Summer and Moving Mountains right before Stray Light Run's final show. And we never had a start date for the website because it was never planned, really. It wasn't planned as if, like, you know, Thomas and I know what day Bad Timing Records was incorporated as a business kind of thing. Or I know what day I started managing light years kind of thing. Um, so that's that that those interviews are kind of what I what I call the starting date for the website and the birthday date. And so uh, two years into the website, when I was a freshman in college when I was 18. I, I sold the website um, to Buzz Media, a company that is now called Spin Media. And um, that relationship that we can get into in a little bit went up and down and up and ultimately down. Um, and and I spent the majority of the first half of this year from about January 1st to uh, June 23rd wrestling with them to get ownership of the website back. And um, in that blog post, I announced that on January 1st, ownership of Property of Zach reverts to me, which feels good, Jesse. It feels good. I, 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 I mean, I've been talking to you through it, and uh, it's got to be nice to have it be your property again. Oh, what kind of clever episode title can I make with that? I don't know. Uh, Dude, 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 they call me the Attila the pun for a reason. Mm. Yeah, so, I mean, to be, like, transparent, um, in the first half of the year was was very challenging for me. Um, uh, the, way, the, way the, the way the selling of the website to spin worked was that uh, they bought the website. It was my duty contractually to keep running the website like I always had and like I still am. Uh, and I had a four-year contract with them uh, to run the website, and so this mean this meant meant that they owned it outright. They owned all of it, and um, uh, at the end of my four years, I could either resign a new deal or I could leave, and they could technically have someone not named Zach run the website or something like that. Um, and the the whole the whole reason to sell the website was I had never had ads on it before I sold it. Um, I didn't know how to make, I didn't know how to code. I still don't know how to code. So I, I couldn't really make a new website without spending a lot of money I didn't have. Um, I wanted more infrastructure. And, but the biggest selling point was um, Absolute Voices, which was a constructed subgroup within, within Buzz Media that, w- that was con- to consist of Absolute Punk, Punk News, Property of Zach, Under the Gun, and Alter the Press. And together we were supposed to um, you know, kind of promote each other and help all of us grow in addition to sort of having um, events like, or, you know, just a, a good and healthy co-branding opportunities, not to sound gross. <laughs> but, you know, like... Yeah, co-branding opportunities always sounds gross. Yeah. Uh, you know, and there, and there are certain promises made to us that, like, we'd have a South by Southwest showcase and that was really cool for an 18-year-old that was trying to make this website a reality during and after college. And an, an 18-year-old who's not been to South by Southwest yet? Uh, yeah, I've, as a 20-year-old, 21-year-old that has still not been to South by Southwest yet. Um, yeah. I don't know that I'll ever go. 
I kind of hate it. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, oddly enough, I go to a music industry program, and the music industry places its midterms during South by Southwest week. I wonder, I wonder how that makes sense, but... Uh, I could see myself going after college. But, you know, regardless, that would have been, you know, there, there was this sort of promise, contract, you know, contractually even, that, uh, you know, essentially Properties Act would have its name plastered against a big venue in Austin for thousands and thousands of people to see for a week, you know. And so, you know, all these things were great. All these promises were great. Um, and unfortunately, uh, most of them didn't come true. And uh, I guess the... I guess the whole absolute voices thing started as I was 19. And by the time I was early 20, uh, it just was not working how we at all hoped it would work anymore. So, so, so let's, let's hear some details of that. Um, so spin media for those who don't keep up with how the internet work or not how the internet works. That sounds like an, I'm an asshole. How, uh, internet media companies develop, uh, spin media has gone through a whole bunch of, Changes. Um, iterations. Iterations. They went from buzz media to spin media to spin media group. Um, they've And kind of like, they, they, it seems like their business model has been a little erratic. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, so I have no, I mean, I'd rather, yeah, I plan on talking honestly without attempting to shit talk because everything I'm saying is just kind of true. Spin media, since, since Properties Act was bought, uh, I believe Spin Media in under three years has gone through four CEOs. Um, they've almost had to declare bankruptcy a few times. They have gone through a whole multitude of layoffs, um, many, 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 many rounds of layoffs over many years. Um, the people that I sold the website to, I mean, to, to give it a metaphor, like how I used to describe the situation was, I had I signed to a really shitty record label, but I had a really great A and R guy, and that A and R guy was uh, was Jason Tate, and the record label was Spin Media. Um, so there was just this constant turnover. Today, uh, literally, uh, we, 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 we to make, make things clear for the audience, um, Jason is still with Buzz Media. Yes, yes, Absolute Punk is still owned by Spin Media, and there's no, uh, as far as I know, is, there's no plan for that to change or anything like that. Uh, but at, all, at the same time, Jason has a little bit of a different structure with Spin Media because Absolute Punk is well over six times larger than Property of Zach um, and is a very healthy business compared to a small blog. Um, so yeah, Spin Media has been completely turbulent uh, since I was got there. A very stressful situation for me. Well, we, maybe also another fun thing to for people to understand, and not like saying this is a disparaging way, but there's quite a few websites that they bought and kind of ran into the ground. Um, Recordlabel.com being one of them. Yeah, that was uh, there. Actually, there are many. One of my, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and there's been a lot of failures. I'm, I mean, some would even say spin, but I think spin was kind of a dead horse that they kind of just decided to start riding as it was collapsing. Yeah. And I think even spins done okay, but, um, sort of how, how buzz media and spin media works is some websites they own some websites, they just sell ads for. And some of those websites used to be, some of those websites used to be like, uh, just Jared, which is a up and coming, nicer version of Perez Hilton and, and like, and like very popular, very, very popular. Uh, I, pr I probably guarantee no one who listens to this podcast has heard of that website, but like many, 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 many million views a month. Um, and like, uh, uh, also Brooklyn vegan and hype machine, blah, blah, blah. Oddly enough, none of those websites are, are longer. Uh, none of those websites have their ads sold by spin media anymore. Um, the company never did a great job of monetizing. Oddly enough, after uh, buying Properties Act, it took them, I think, six or seven months to put ads on the website just because they forgot. <laughs> oh, man, that's rough. Yeah, so the situation has always been incredibly turbulent. There's The turnover made for every promise that was made to be broken, essentially, Um and it, it was just not a healthy situation for me. As I continued to pour my life into the website, um, as the website hit new ground, obviously, like if you think of breaking the Fallout Boy reunion or, you know, just every day, obviously, if, if you read Properties Act, you know 
what what goes into it, or you can imagine the amount of time that goes into it, and to see so little back from an organization that you know promised me the world, and and not in ways that were impossible. Um, I, if, if Spin Media was sort of competent how they sold themselves to be and how I thought they would be, then everything could have or should have come true as long as we both did our parts. And ultimately, I did my part. Um, you know, I, I don't know if they, when they bought the site, thought that we would one day be as big as Absolute Punk. Uh, sure, that would have been great, but I never thought that would be the case. Absolute Punk is a 10-plus year you know, kind of brand with uh, a forum, which brings in tons of page views. And Property Zach is a singular blog run off of Tumblr. And um, it just didn't work. And so there was a point last year, right around this time, actually, like right around this time where uh, there was another CEO change and everything looked super dark, like that the company might go bankrupt, that they might just close down the websites and kind of went into yeah, well, a lot of the music business websites that cover it were um, not writing the nicest things to say the least. Yeah. And everything like it was panic mode for me. Cause I was like, Oh my God, tomorrow they could just shut off. They, they could just be like, we're closing the website kind of thing. And, and that was super scary. And the situation got worse and worse. And in December, there was this glimmer of hope that somehow they may just give me the website back for free. Uh, and that was uh, that was then canned, <laughs> and they were like, everything's actually getting better. And then in January of 2014, once again, I think there were some layoffs, and it, it got incredibly dark again. And I became, I started to become very kind of scared and unhappy because I, I felt like like my baby had been kind of like bastardized because of this company, and it was hard for me to wake up and run the website because like literally I wake up and I run the website <laughs> until I go to sleep from running the website. And it was getting so challenging for me to do that, especially as I started to see some success with other things that I'd started to grow loving too, like, um, like managing and the label. And so, um, sometime in March, it came to head that I was just like, it was really difficult for me. I was just like, I, I think I have to stop doing the website um, unless they give it back to me. And starting in March, I, I approached them. I approached Spin and I said, like, look, there's three options here. I quit the website. Uh, you find someone else to run it. Uh, that doesn't that is not me. Everyone will clearly know I'm not running it. Also, like you barely pay me anything. Not, I'm not complaining about that, but like you barely pay me anything. And the person you would have to pay to run it. Did they say to you, who are you again? We thought we're that the singer from Bad Overboard Zach was the <laughs> one we read this. <laughs> Had to get that idea. Yeah, that's it. That, don't, that, that only comes up a few times a year, uh, but it comes <laughs> up. <laughs> um, so yeah, I was kind of like, look, so these are the three options. I'm going to quit. You're going to have to pay someone extraordinarily more money than you pay me to run the website. Um, or I will steal the website back, uh, because, and this is another kind of cutely embarrassing thing about the company. Um, they never transferred the domain from my account to theirs. Um, so today, even though I don't technically own the website until January 1st, I have full control over the domain. They don't have any of the passwords or anything like that. Um, so I had great leverage there and, um, we're run on Tumblr, so none of our information is on their servers or anything. Um, so there was kind of this leverage. And then I said, but then I was like, I don't want that option two to be the option where I steal it back and we go to court over something where you guys make no money off of us. Or there's option three where we work out a deal. And the deal was... Um, You're so young and such a hard ass. Look at you just like, you know, getting all, uh, getting all uh, Glen Gary, Glenn Ross on them. My mom... It's all my mom, yeah. you know, yeah. she taught the scary Jewish woman. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I, you know, I was just kind of at this point, though, where I was miserable, truly, like from January to, to June, it was some of the most like just difficult times for me. Like, you know, like some of the people that I'm friends with around Philly or like, you know, Grace would very uh, gladly tell you that I was essentially like a miserable zombie for months and months because every Seriously, every week, something worse would happen. It was crazy. For a stretch of three or four months, every week, something worse with the situation would happen, starting with layoffs to bankruptcy scares to whatever, 
to it seemed like the deal wasn't going to happen for two months. Like every week, seriously, something would get worse. And I would for every week say, I mean, thank God it can't get worse than this. And seriously, for like months, it did. It was such a challenging time. Um, and eventually on, uh, I think like June 23rd, oddly enough, the same, I was at dinner with um, Darren and Tim from JTree the day they offered me the job. And at dinner, I, I went to the bathroom and I checked my phone and the signed contract from the CEO, same day, same night, was there waiting for me. Um, Did you feel um, hashtag blessed at that moment? Yeah, I had some more of my margarita when I came back. <laughs> So yeah, the deal the deal was that I would run the website out for them for the rest of the year. Um, I would not see any ad money from that, but that was okay because uh, I never saw a dime of ad money while with Spin Media in three years. And that um, that start on January first that the ownership would revert to me. And so essentially, nothing changed for me. They just get to keep all the money that they were never giving me illegally anyway. All is well. There was this, uh, I guess, to... Wait, 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 clarify that all the money they were never giving you illegally remark. That, that, that even slipped by me a little oh, bit. What do you mean so, by that? Well, so my deal with Spin, or just like a lot of people, I think, who own websites but work for a company that then owns a website is kind of like, you know, you're supposed to see a, a portion of the ad revenue. Uh, I never saw a dime. I saw my, I, I got a very meager paycheck from Spin Media a month that wasn't even, if I got minimum wage from, if I got minimum wage out of running the site these past few years, I would be rich essentially in my heart. And so I was supposed to see some ad revenue too. And those, um, those checks never came. Uh, and so there's this interesting kind of situation that happened with Spin in um, in December. Oh, in January, and this is where things sort of really took the turn for me. And I don't know if anyone knows this, so uh, don't get fired, Zach. But uh, uh, so in January, Spin Media was bought by Spin Media Group. Oh yeah, I forgot about you. This. Forgot about this? You forgot? Yeah, this is the best part. This, yeah, um, so funny. Uh, I'm sorry if this is super boring for anyone, um, but so Spin Media was in massive debt. Um, well, you, you know what? This shouldn't be boring for anybody it, it, that is aspiring to go in the music business. That is a lot of our followers, because sadly, this is what you're going to deal with with your record label, or if you're going into some sort of PR house. This is what happens with PR houses. This shows why you kind of want to be your boss and why it's really serious that you get the right stipulations in your contract to get out of them when things go bad because what you're about to describe is one of the worst corporate nightmares I you know that I see happen all the time. Yeah, I am, yeah it ended with me crying. So uh, oh, it, so emo. I know. In, so in January, so Spin Media was in debt. I don't know how much debt, but I would imagine a many millions of dollars debt. And um, how Spin Media works is that they are technically like a startup. So they have many investors in LA and um, Silicon Valley, blah, blah, blah. And so they were in debt and there were two options, essentially. Go into bankruptcy, get bought out. <laughs> so uh, Spin, so the CEO of Spin Media, I think, and this may not be all 100% accurate, but the Spin Media CEO put together a group of investors who bought Spin Media. Uh, those investors were called Spin Media Group. Uh, and Spin Media Group bought out all of Spin Media except their debt. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a financial person. I don't know how that kind of stuff works. But somehow that's legal. Literally, this group of investors bought the company and they added group to their name. Uh, and so everything from Spin Media, except the money they owed everyone, transferred to Spin Media Group. So, look, I don't know how much Spin Media owed me. It was, you know, a couple ten grands probably. Um, just disappeared. No more debt. Um, they owed people much more money than they owed me. Um, they owed some people I know hundreds of thousands of dollars. So I get on the phone uh, with someone at the company one day in January, and he's like, yeah, you know, we can talk about lots of things about the site, but you're, never, you're just never going to see that money ever again. Um, and on top of that, Spin Media also owed me paychecks from 2013, uh, I had something in my contract um, that I was lucky that I was glad I squeezed in there. My original contract, where I could write off expenses, 
And I wasn't taking advantage of that. There were just expenses, whether it was, you know, stuff regarding how we would work with bands at shows like video gear or flights for, let's say, Riot Fest, whatever, stuff like that. And so um, the end of the year came around and I had probably a couple grand in paychecks and um, expenses that, oops, we, we don't care. We're a new company. Um, everything is literally the same except the group at the end of our name. It was really, um, I hope, I really deeply hope I never have to be in a situation like that ever again. Uh, it was just kind of insane. Just, just, just wait till the Jade Tree Media Group comes around. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Uh, <laughs> as I'm sitting in the house, that email belt. Um, nice. Yeah, so that was a thing that occurred. It was just this really unimaginable situation. Um, <laughs> and this is very akin to like something that musicians talk about a lot of the time, which is one of the scariest things of signing with the label is that you grow to really like this A&R guy. And then the next thing you know, he's gone from the label because of like one fight. Like I think I always think of that Rob Stevenson thing. So if people don't know, Rob Stevenson is like the guy who's on like fallout boy and the killers is he's really famous for and one fight with la reed and these bands no longer have their a and r man the guy who tr they trusted and who fought for them every day in the meetings and then you have this alienating thing of like your guy is no longer your defender in the corporate structure and this is why a lot of your favorite bands get left behind on their label and don't get a good marketing plan or pushed or a second single because their cheerleader is gone. These shufflings are one of the reason that punk rock was made and why it hates corporations so much. Yeah, it's so tough. Um, see, see, see what happens when you betray your punk rock ethos and, and sell out, Zach? I fucking Night. sold out, man. Yeah, I, I, see what I was an 18 year old sellout. And uh, you see, see I, I think Jesus is punk, punk rock and he hashtag not blessed you and made you pay. I think this was your purgatory. You know, actually, I got a uh, five year property Zach Funfetti birthday cake yesterday and had a star of David on top. So, wow. I don't know how that's so, so about you should David. Say you should, yeah, you, you Jews are more into the guilt, not know so much the, the uh, purgatory and the. Uh, whole thing. I'm good so with the guilt. Yeah, I'm good with yeah. the guilt. That's the best. That's the yes. best part of being Jewish, I think. The guilt. Um, but yeah, so that happened. So what now? So what now? So over the past, what's nice? The, the actually the the small like uh, silver lining of this deal that I made with them is that I have had and have from June to January first to get everything in order, and so. There are so many changes to the site coming, um, including a new, simpler website design in terms of um, bittersweetly a much smaller staff, um, a new uh, monetizing model, if at all, um, a different sort of change of focus. And I think a lot of this stuff is things we'll probably get into a little more once January 1st happens, but um, this might be a good way to tie the knot for this sort of running long episode, which is that... Um, I took the summer knowing that I had the website, knowing that I had the website coming back to me, a new job with Jade Tree, school, bad timing records, and, and synergy. Um, I, I decided. And a very demanding podcast. And a very demanding podcast. I knew that um, I needed to sort of figure out how to make my life work or I was going to like implode. And I was like, great. Well, I don't have school this summer, minus an online finance class that I ended up not passing. So why don't I take this summer to figure out how my whole life can work together and go back to my senior year of school, which I knew would be demanding, and make it make it happen. Um, and it was <laughs> literally uh, I was at, I was in Brooklyn uh, at the census fail knuckle puck show three days, four days before school was starting. And I was taking a walk on the phone with Grace um, near, like, the Williamsburg, like, waterfront area. And I was, like, I was miserable because I was, like, Grace, it is, like, September 17th. I'm starting school in, like, four days. I had three months to figure out how to make it work, and I haven't figured it out. And because, I, you know, I had all these plans for the next step of probably Zach laid out, but I was still drowning. And I just couldn't figure out the stress of the website in addition to traffic that wasn't necessarily falling, but wasn't necessarily growing either. And 
And I was just like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And so a few days later, this literally the Sunday before the Monday I started school, I was pretty bummed. I was wine drunk talking with my good friend, Evan Lucy. And he was just like, well, what are you going to do here? And I, I was just like throwing out options. I was like, well, I could just not think about the site as something that needs to make money. And I was like, and I like laughed or something. And then I, I took like a sip of wine and I was like, oh, wait, I could do that. And I've, you know, since the site was born, while adding jobs and jobs and jobs on top of the site, I had always kept the site as sort of the center of the universe. You know, like the property Zach was kind of like the sun and everything orbited around it. And, you know, I, I found so much love and happiness with these other jobs I've been doing. And I, I took a step back and realized, like, one, there's no chance. I, I kind of maxed out. I kind of over even sold like what I could make with the website if it kept if kept, if traffic kept exactly where it was and I was like this is a third of what I could make with any of the other jobs that are currently paying me and that's somewhat a little more guaranteed or comfortable but properties act I put way more time into it and it, it's so much more draining and I and I don't have a life because I stay up working until 11 on it you know and I was kind of like, well, what if it doesn't, what if it just needs to orbit like everything else um, rather than be the main focus? And, and since I had that thought, like my life has been incredibly more freeing. So next year, we're going to see a world where property tech is not going away, nothing like that, but it's going to be much more about what I want it to be and what the few people that help run it want it to be. And so we're not going to be posting about small metalcore band X anymore because I just don't care about them. You're, 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 you're not going to be running the content farm just to make some shitty generic Monsanto food. You're going to be making more nutritious content that you feel fulfilled about. As someone who hasn't eaten yet today, yes. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, it's, it's five o'clock. You got to eat, dog. Don't, don't, don't do the manorexic. Hey, been there. Um, so, yeah, the... It's it's kind of it's still a work in progress. Like I can say that we're not going to have ads when the site launches. Um, so there's literally going to be no ad revenue coming in for the site. Um, we're going to be experimenting with other things, uh, and maybe we'll talk about this more in the coming weeks. But we're going to experiment maybe with Patreon and sponsorships and stuff like that. And it's going to feel much more like a, a blog with a voice that is very frequently updated, but just. You know, I kind of realized, like, after I graduate, um, I'd love to go into the JTree office from 9 to 6, uh, do all the work I need to do, which includes Property Zach stuff, and then go home. And um, if I want to take one or two hours to write something instead of posting 25 news articles about a band that I don't care about, then and then I can, from 8 to the time I pass out, do whatever I want. Like that's healthy, and you know, a large a large part of this was that my mental health was kind of in a very just bad place uh, because of how much I was putting on myself, and because of the whole spin media scenario. And I was kind of like, "Wow, this is good." Um, so I'm I'm really looking forward to it, and that in um, that in 20 minutes or less is the initial summary of having my property again. Well, congratulations! I know it's uh. It's good that at such a young age you figured out that you'd need to have uh, some sort of life from 8 p.m. on because uh, I think it took me till I was like 29 to uh, do that, and I had a pretty bad meltdown, and my life's been better for it for the last seven years. Yeah, I th I'm glad that – look, I'm glad that I went through likely, not guaranteed by any means, but likely a corporate situation that I learned from by the age I was essentially 19 to never get myself into again, and by the age of – 21, I've kind of seen the good, the bad, and the weird of any kind of work scenario that could roll out. And I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not being fooled anymore. And, you know, I'm glad that I got to start so young with anything because I've, I've now seen all this stuff and I wish it didn't happen, but it did. And hopefully I'm only better for it. So, it, I mean, it's been, um, it has been quite the multi-year arc. So for recommendations, I wanted to recommend kind of uh, for so for the coming week of Properties Act when this episode comes out, we're running kind of a five year indulgent celebration, and that's going to be like our favorite interviews, our favorite albums of the Properties Act era, you know, just everything uh, surrounding Properties Act. So I wanted to recommend a few albums that either started the website 
uh, or are, were very important to the foundation of the website. So Waves by Moving Mountains, Reach for the Sun by The Dangerous Summer, Real Talk by Man Overboard, Keep This to Yourself by Transit, and The Upsides by The Wonder Years. Those are some good recommendations. I just want to recommend uh, that people check out the band Pup because I biked across the Williamsburg Bridge in freezing weather to see them at midnight the other night and back home after that, and it was all totally worth it because, man, that band just rules. And I think they have one of the best YouTube channels of any band in the scene. And if you're like, I know we had discussed about, like, what does a band do to have good videos in this day and age? Like, when you're like you know, a punk band, I think that they're a great example. Their videos are just so good. Perfect. Thank you to everyone for listening to Off The Record this week. Head to offtherecord.fm to check out show notes, to leave us any feedback. Jesse can be found at Twitter at Jesse Cannon. I'm at Z Zarillo, and our podcast is at Off The Record FM. We'll be back next week.